All right. We had a divine interruption Wednesday night. The Holy Ghost settled in this place. So while they were rocking over there in building two, we were rocking over here in building one. The Holy Ghost was just shaking the whole campus on Wednesday night. I don't usually come to Wednesday night. Sorry. <laughs> and I can't promise you that what happened on Wednesday is going to happen today. You know, unless you pull extra hard. I don't know, you pull extra hard, the Holy Ghost might blow the roof right off today. Amen. All right, so Psalm 144. We're going to read uh, just one verse. Let's do just one verse today. Psalm 144, verse 15. Y'all have that? <clears throat> okay. It reads this way. It says, you can read it with me too. Ready? Read. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. So if you want to read about that state, we'll get to it eventually. Uh, maybe today, maybe this Wednesday. But the state you read from verse 11 down to verse 14, it describes a picture of happiness. And he says, so happy are the people who are in such a state or have this kind of life. And then happy are the people whose God is the Lord. So today we want to continue talking about the picture of happiness, the picture of happiness. Father God, today we thank and praise you for the opportunity you've given us now to spend this time in your word. Thank you that your word is alive. It is uh, powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. Thank you that the word is able to penetrate our very hearts, Father, and mend and, and fix and repair anything wrong in our lives and bring us into a great state of revelation so that, God, we, we can see beyond our natural sight. I pray, Father, you'll show us things we've never seen. And God, do things in our lives, Father, that have been beyond our own natural capacity, God. We receive the word. We receive your spirit. And we thank you that God, you are in this place. Have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. So we've been talking about uh, happiness. Everybody say happiness. happiness. All right. So I said to you, I've been teaching you that Father God wants his children happy. Amen. As parents, we want our children happy. And so Father God wants us happy. And he knows just how to make us happy. Is that right? And he knows what to do the job. God knows better than you and I know what will make us happy. He designed us. He created us. He knows our thoughts are far off. Your word, the Bible says in Psalm 37 verse 4, that if you and I, if we delight ourselves in him, he will give us the desires of our hearts. Well, how many of y'all have desires in your heart? All right, so those desires aren't, if you don't, you don't have any desires that you know are going to make you sad. Am I right about it? You don't have any desires that you know that are going to plague uh, your life. Every desire you have is a desire that you believe will make you happy. Well, here's what I want you to understand. That God, when you delight yourself in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. A, a little translation of that would read, he'll give you to desire things. So God will place desires in your heart. Do you know why God places desires in your heart? Because he wants you happy. He's a good father. And he places, he places desires, proper desires in your heart that he knows are within his will that will bring you good and not harm. Right? Remember we, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, he has thoughts to prosper us, not to harm us. Right? So he knows what things will bring us harm. So you as a parent, you know what things that your child may desire that will harm them. 
right? You know there are things that are, may not be harmful later, but it might be harmful now. Every child wants a cell phone. They're six years old. They want a cell phone now. But you know that cell phone in itself is not harmful, but at their age, it, it will pro probably bring harm to them. Am I right about it? So God knows when and what desires to place in us. And so if we delight ourselves in him, spend time with him, he creates, he builds these desires in us that will make us happy, that will do us good. Amen? So God knows just how to do those things. In John 16, verse 24, I want you to look over there, please. <clears throat> Excuse me. John 16. Glory to God. John 16. And let's, in fact, let's start at verse uh, 23. Are you there? This is Jesus talking. It's, it's in red, right? Everybody listening? It says, and in that day you will ask me nothing. He's talking about when he leaves the earth. Has he left the earth? So this word is for now. Right? So in this day or today, now, you will ask me, ask Jesus, nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Verse 24. Now, we're going to find out why he will give it to us. He says, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, why? Wee. That's good news right there. He says, ask and you will receive for the sole purpose of your joy being full. Isn't it interesting how much of the body of Christ thinks it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not you know, our right. You don't go asking God for stuff. Just be happy you're saved. But no, Jesus himself said, ask. Glory to God. Matter of fact, look at verse 23 again. Verse 23. Whatever you ask. I better come. I better find somebody who listens. He said, oh, I'll stay right here. Whatever you ask. Come on, right? Mark 11, 24. What things soever you desire. In the King James. What things soever you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Glory to God. Glory to God. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, then we also know that we have the things that we ask of him. So we're talking about whatever. All right, now, you mean whatever? Yes, whatever. But what if I ask for something that, that doesn't belong to me? He said according to his will. So don't go getting crazy. Okay? So we're talking about his will. We're talking about when you spend time with him, he's going to put these desires in you. Because, one, he wants you happy. But secondly, he's going to be happy because you're happy. Any good parent. You, you, ain't got, you don't have to be a good parent. You can be a good auntie. Do I have any good aunties in here? Don't lie to me. Any good aunties? You want to see your nieces and nephews happy. All right? Glory to God. You want them happy. And so you want them to have things. Amen? 
All right, now, let me, let's move on. Just a matter of review here. We've been talking about happiness, but showing you that there are forces that are working against our happiness, right? First John 5, verse 8, we have an adversary named who? The devil, okay? So we have an adversary. He's, he's a, our adversary. He's not our advocate. Jesus Christ is our advocate. Satan is our adversary. He's, he does things that are adverse to our happiness. You understand that? He does things that are adverse to our happiness. He does things that are designed to, to strip us of happiness or keep us from ever becoming happy. Got it? So he's a, a, the devil that goes about like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour, but the Bible tells us in the very next verse, we can resist him steadfast in the faith. Okay? Then I taught you about how there are these three forces that are working against us. Okay? One, you remember the first one? Comparison. Remember that? And how comparison leads to discontentment. Then we talked about competition. Well, but before we got in competition, we said comparison. If you start comparing, the devil gets you over into what? Contrasting. Because comparison is, I'm looking at the similarities in our lives. But contrasting, I look at the differences. And we read in the Bible where, where Paul told the church, he said, when you compare yourselves to each other, that is unwise. So it is bad already to be comparing your life with somebody else's life. Because what's going to happen all the time is the devil will get you way past comparing in the contrasting and you see what they have and they're, they're different than what I have. And it's dangerous because it leads to discontentment. Then we got it over into competition. How many of y'all know about competition? It happens all the time. And competition is going to lead us to distress. Right? And, you know, competition, that's one-upsmanship. I'm trying to, trying to outdo somebody. It's dangerous. And then the last one we dealt with was consumerism. That's this whole being drawn to have more and more and more and more because the market out there tells us that this is what it takes to be happy. As soon as you get the iPhone 8, here comes the X. As soon as you get the iPhone X, here comes the red. As soon as you finally get rid of your big old big TV you had, you know, the big floor model TV you had to have, then you finally get you a flat panel. Oh, now I'm saying that they are. No, we got a 4K now. Now we got a 4K. Now we got curved ones now. And nothing wrong with the TV. It's just the, 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 the running after the things. That they they will they, they will the, dim, the the commercials on television on. never show anybody sad with a brand new TV. <laughs> they never show somebody driving a brand new car and they're mm, hate this CT6. I hate this Escalade. This is the worst. No, they always have. Oh, oh. Right? And so the picture that they're presenting to us is that you have to now have this thing. To make you happy. That the thing you have that made you happy two years ago is not, is not happy worthy anymore. So they made us constantly chase things. All right. Now, this scripture I gave you last uh, on Wednesday, I think it was Ecclesiastes chapter six, verse nine. Let's go right to the International Children's Bible uh, version. I like the Children's Bible because that means everybody should understand it. Right. So the International Children's Bible says it this way. So it is better to be happy with what you have than always wanting or always to be wanting more. So you see that? So it's better to be happy with what you have. 
Now, don't get me wrong here. When God puts desires in your heart, he's constantly trying to increase you more and more. Okay? God will get tired of you sometimes just, you know, circling the same mountain for too long. You understand? But this is not talking about you becoming agitated and losing your contentment. So it's better to be happy with what you have than always to be wanting more. Because always wanting more is useless, like chasing the wind. Is that right? Okay, now let's keep going here. Now let's open our Bibles again to the book of Luke, please. <clears throat> I think we got stuck here on somewhere here Wednesday night, I'm not sure. Luke chapter 12, right? Hallelujah. Are y'all hungry for the word today? All right, good. Well, let's pull on this thing here. Luke 12 and verse 15. Let's look at this statement of Jesus Christ, again written in red. Y'all see that there on the screen? He says, and he said to them, take heed and beware or be aware of what? Covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Now, let me just, let me just say this. I got to say this here. Because some of y'all might be sitting and looking in shock. Because y'all know me as a prosperity preacher. Right? People know me. That's that old prosperity preacher over there preaching that old name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, confess it, possess it stuff over there. Yes, I do. I, that's what I preach. And, and I'm not going to change that because that's exactly how you get saved. You got to name it and claim it. You got to confess it and possess it. That's how you get saved. You got to blab it. And that's, so that's how you do everything. So when you hear prosperity, I, I, I made sure I explained this on Wednesday night, I believe, that don't, you got you to gotta make sure you don't get prosperity twisted. That you make prosperity all about you. Because real prosperity is not about how much stuff you get. Real prosperity is about how much you can do. Real prosperity is not how much you can have. It's about how much you can give. Y'all going to leave the church now, right? Y'all going to leave the church now, right? It's really about how much you can give. It's how much you can do. It's giving you the ability that when you see a need, you can meet that need. That's true prosperity. So don't get it bent. Don't, 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 don't castigate all the prosperity preachers and oh, I don't want to hear that. No, if you will really hear it, you will learn that what we're really talking about is you becoming a distribution center for God. We're really talking about you being able to bless somebody. Glory to God. I mean, how wonderful is it for uh, LeBron James, and he's catching all the flack, you know, but he... <laughs> to, to be able to uh, build and fund a school. A little, a little old black boy come out of Akron, Ohio with only a high school education. Some people think he's dumb. That's pretty smart. You ask me. That's real smart. I mean, we, it's, it's, it's cheaper to educate them than it is to keep them on welfare the rest of their lives. 
Help me, Holy Ghost. So let me ask you this question. How many of you would love to be able to do that yourself? Well, how are you going to get there? It's prosperity. The beautiful thing about the prosperity is when, as you're releasing, you get to enjoy. Are you with me on this here? I tell you this all the time. I've, I've told you this before. I'll try to explain it again. If you are a water hose, pretend you're a water hose, and, you're tr- and so the, the gardener's trying to get water from the spigot to his garden, you're the water hose. Well, the first thing that gets wet, the first thing that gets full is the water hose. Now, the thing you got to make sure you do it as the water hose is don't, have, don't be all tied in a knot. Because what will happen is you tie it in a knot, eventually it'll bust that, that water hose. Okay? So as a, as a prosperity distribution center, hallelujah, God wants to fill you up so he can keep emptying you out. But the problem is you never actually go empty. Are you hearing it? I, I, don't, I, mean, I don't want to say the word problem. The good thing is you never go empty. Because he has an unlimited source. You become a resource for God. All you understand is here. So God wants you to have things. He wants you to increase more and more and more and more and more. But he says beware here of covetousness because your life is not about uh, how many things you have. That doesn't make you who you are. I explained this to you the other night. A, a, a nice car doesn't make you who you are. No. Glory to God. How many of y'all have heard this, of this other prosperity preacher, uh, Jesse Duplantis? You ever heard of him? Jesse Duplantis, uh, one of the funniest, uh, most anointed guys on this planet in preaching this. And uh, he tells a story about how um, he, he had been out of town, he and his wife, and uh, they had just bought, his wife just bought a brand new uh, Mercedes S550, okay? Amen. Nobody even said, I got one amen. Amen. Do y'all know what a Mercedes S550 is? Okay. That's the big body bands right there. There ain't no little E class and no C class. That's the big body. And so just bought one brand new. And so they were out on a preaching somewhere. And while they were out preaching, the Lord told them to give it to another couple. Now, that's what prosperity looks like. The Lord tells you to give it to somebody, be a blessing. You can just do it. Just, they said, all right, Lord, okay, we'll get home. We'll just. So he came home and told Kathy. He said Kathy was in the bed sleep. That's his wife. He said, Kathy was in the bed sleep. He said, Kathy, the Lord told, told me we need to give your car uh, to this couple over here. And she turned over and said, okay, if that's what the Lord said. I'm taking all the wives' eyes right now, all the wives. The Lord told you we need to give my car. So the Lord told him to give, give the car. And she said, okay, okay, just if that's what the Lord said. So uh, they called a couple and said, hey, we'd like to give you this car and so, and so forth. They gave him the car. And so he said, here's the problem. The only problem was they didn't have another car. That's the only car they have. He said, so for about six months it was, they drove one of the church vans. Now y'all know Jesse the planners, right? He's got his own private intercontinental jet and 
you know, enough money for four generations. He's debt-free, biggest house in, in, in Louisiana, I think it is. I mean, this man's got multiplied millions and millions and millions of dollars. But he said, man, I'm just, I'm driving a church van. Because what he understood was cars don't make him who he is. See, we get so tripped up, I got to have a car, got to have this car, got to have that car, got to have that, da, 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 da. beyond, I mean, before our time, first of all. And, and because we have, in our, in our society, we have allowed things to make us. Now, partly I understand, partly I understand, we've been down so long. <laughs> I understand. I understand. I mean, we, we, were, we were down and oppressed so long. I understand. The moment we were able to get some things, we just, you know, just went hog wild. But you got to be careful not to get over into this uh, greed or avarice, the Bible calls it. That we, we get over this place where we are so um, hungry for those things that we've gotten into this place of covetousness. We, we act like our lives are made up of what we have, but they're not. They're not. I said they're not. I want to read that same verse from the Passion Translation. I want you to hear this from the Passion Translation. Glory to God. Speaking to the people, Jesus said, he continued, be alert and guard your heart from greed. Everybody say greed. greed. And always wishing for what you don't have. Ooh. Now remember I talked about comparison. And how comparison will lead you to contrasting. Then I talked about competition. Always trying to look at what other people have and I'm going to outdo them. And then consumerism. That whole system gets you out there trying to, you know, man, I wish I had that. Can't hardly sleep trying to figure out how I'm going to make it happen. And see, he said, so watch out for that. Be alert and guard your heart from greed and always wishing for what you don't have for your life can never be measured by the amount of things you possess. <laughs> now, I'm just, I just want you to do a self-evaluation. Don't check me out, check you out. How many of you, don't, you, don't raise your hands, I don't want you to you know, say anything. In yourself, have, have measured your life by what you have or what you don't have. Just ponder that for a minute. You've measured and you've, you've evaluated whether you're blessed or not based on what you have. And why? It's because with these flesh eyes, we keep looking at this and that and what they have and what they did and where they went on vacation and what they have and what they just bought and what they just did and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden now, we are dissatisfied with our own lives. I'm going to get in this here, y'all. Y'all ain't sent to me. Glory to God. It's, it's dangerous. I'm going to show you covetousness is a disease. It's dangerous. Glory to God. And I know you've never done it. I, 
No, not you. Not you. Not your Holy Ghost filled self. I know you've never coveted. See, you may, you may not think you have. Okay, we, we learned coveting as kids. We, I remember we used to ride, get on the bus. This, this is why I love busing. I love busing. I, I think we should have busing today. I'm by myself. I think we should have busing today. Because I hate this whole neighborhood school system thing is stupid. It is, it is, it is, it is, um, it is ineffective. You know, well, we need to have neighborhood schools because our kids need to be around each other and they need to see black teachers. We don't, we don't have enough black teachers. We don't have enough. Okay, secondly, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to be political. I'm just giving you my experience. My experience when I was a little, little kid living in, uh, in the hood, the neighborhood, right off 25th Street at 18th, Tangerine. Y'all know Tangerine? Okay. Right off Tangerine. And so, but they, I went to uh, uh, kindergarten at Lakeview Elementary. So I used to walk right down the street, Lakeview Elementary. Anybody Lakeview Elementary? Okay. Okay. But then elementary school, uh, I got bused to Bardmore Elementary. Now, as inconvenient as that was, getting on that school bus early in the morning, we got to ride. We left Tangerine. We, 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 we cross central. And, and traveling all the way out there to Bardmore, remember crossing through an area called Cross, cross Bayou. And we used to see all these fabulous houses and cars and gated estates. I'm like, what is garage? What is a garage? What in the world is this? And it broadened my horizons. As a child, y'all remember that? I think I think we need that. Some kids don't know that there's, there's something beyond the corner store. You don't have to buy your underwear from the corner store. You can you can get better groceries than going to Family Dollar and Dollar General. You can you can. There's other places that you can go. You know what I mean? It's, All right, let me, let me help you. See, see I, I wouldn't mind a, a community school that wasn't government. I wouldn't mind if we had a community school that we paid for. We lavishly furnished it and appointed it to lavish standards. And we have nice uh, vans. And we can take the, you know what I'm saying? You got to show them something, man. You understand? Am I right about this, Dwight? You, you got to show them something. But here, here's, here's why we, we, were, we, were, we were trained. We taught this way. As little kids, we get on that bus, boy, and we had a game. We just called Ticket. Driving down the street, boy, on the way to, on the way to school, and you see a, a Mercedes over there. I ticket that car. First one that said it was your car. Oh, they, yeah, they, they call it key lock. I, I key lock that car. Or you see a house. I take it that house. That's my house right there. I take it that house. Every morning. 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 
every afternoon coming by. You see a boat on the water? Well, I remember I, I got busted Madeira Beach uh, Elementary School too. Woo, Madeira Beach, boy, back in the day, it don't, it don't look like much now. But back in the day, Madeira Beach. I take it that boat. We were being taught to covet. That's mine. Because we had no idea how we could ever have any of that, those things on our own. So we were left to hope and wish and dream about somebody else's. And today, we have people walking around in the body of Christ, particularly those who are not in the body of Christ, who have the same mindset. We can't even fathom how we could even have those things on our own. So we are left to wish and hope and dream about somebody else's. And Jesus told us to beware of covetousness, beware of greed, beware of always wishing for what you don't have. He says, because your life can never be measured by the amount of things that you possess. So then people, when they don't possess things, they get depressed. They get anxious. You know, the Bible says anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. So people get that way because of what they don't have. Rather than thanking God every morning for what they do have. <laughs> Rather than waking up and saying, I thank you for my house, Lord. Oh, it's not a mansion, but it's, it's my house and I'm, I'm going to clean it. I'm going I'm to paint it. I'm going to, you know, water the yard. If I got to water it by hand, water water hose. When I was growing up, we didn't have a sprinkler system in the yard. My dad would get me out, get me out there with the water hose. I'd be like, myself. See, these kids don't know anything about this. That's kind of like. Glory to God. We didn't, we didn't have a boat to get on every weekend. You want to be on a boat? We used to get a paper and make us a boat when it rained. And you get, some, get a boat and run it right down the curb. We were taught as my parents to enjoy and appreciate what you do have. But people today get caught up in this covetousness and it leads, this anxiety leads to depression. Am I right about it? And you check people around you, sitting right in church, they can't smile. What's wrong? Nothing. It's a lot of stuff wrong. There's a lot of stuff wrong. You just are not articulating what's wrong. But I can tell you, I can diagnose you. You are caught up in covetousness. It's the disease of your spirit that if you're not careful, that cancer is going to kill you. That cancer of covetousness will kill you. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right, now, <clears throat> I want to show you this something here. That word covetousness in Luke 12, 15 is the Greek word, it sounds like a disease, pleonexia. Like anorexia, it's pleonexia. <laughs> what you suffering from? Pleonexia. That's <laughs> what it is. Clear next year. 
Y'all write this down? It means the greedy, greedy desire to have more. Notice the greedy desire. This isn't just a desire. It's a greedy, greedy desire to have more. Avarice, which is uh, defined as, as extreme greed for wealth or material gain. Why aren't you teaching us about being wealthy? Yes. I'm teaching you about letting God make you wealthy. I'm teaching you about letting God increase you more and more. I'm not teaching you about being greedy and all of a sudden you go chasing money. Or you go chasing things. I'm teaching, teaching you about utilizing in God and God will make things chase you. So Plea next year. <laughs> it sounds like a disease. It also sounds like a, like a medicine, don't it? What you, what you got prescribed? I got prescribed some Pleonexia. <laughs> All right? Y'all got it? Okay, so Pleonexia, which is, again, greed or desire to have more. It's avarice, extreme greed for wealth or material gain. Hallelujah. So, again, there's nothing wrong with things. Nothing wrong with more. Nothing wrong with wealth. Nothing wrong with material gain. The, the, something's wrong when you get over to this greed for it. All right? Because God promised us things over and over and over again. All right? But what he knows, Deacon Mac, is that things, he said, uh, true happiness doesn't come from just having things. True happiness comes from serving God. Because if you're not careful, the things you receive... Will, will, will become idols to you and you'll begin serving things and stop serving God. And when you hit that road, you're in trouble. Are you hearing me today? So this pleonexia <laughs> is a cancerous disease. I want you to look at, give me a Proverbs chapter one, verse 19. Can I just talk for a few more minutes here? Proverbs 1, 19. Hallelujah. It says, so are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. So greed takes your life away. When you get greedy and start going after everything, it's all you, you, think, you can think about. All the time. You, you'll be up all night watching infomercials and trying to figure out how I'm going to do this. I mean, you'll be, you'll be going through the day trying to figure out how to make things happen. You, you stop paying attention to your wife or your family or your husband and your family? Oh, no. Well, before, before I start a family, I really need to get my career established and get some promotions before I start a family. Oh, y'all, I'm going to stay there since y'all didn't say anything. Since y'all didn't say, I'm, I'm going to hit you then. Well, you see, before I have my, my career plan, see, before I do all that, I want to make sure I have my career established and I have to finish my college degree and have my career established. You know, I don't want, because the child, you know, that will get in the way of that. So I want to make sure that I get all that accomplished first. And then we'll think about starting to have children. When Father God made your highest, your highest priority, when Father God made the highest, um, the highest aspiration of womanhood is to be a wife and a mother, according to what God's word says. But because of all this stupid stuff out here, 
it's more about my career first. Preach, Pastor. Because I'm probably hitting somebody right in the gut right now. Yeah, now, now they don't even need a man. You're right, Thomas. I don't even need a man now. Because my career is most important to me. I'm going to prove myself in a man's world. And show men I belong. I can get my own house. Get my own car. Have my own money. Then maybe I have time for a man. Problem is by the time the man showed up, shows up, you already so engulfed in your own self. That joker don't want you. He might date you. He might sneak with you, but he, he don't want you. Pastor, this 2018, you don't understand. Nothing changed. The word didn't change. The word didn't change. And it's not, it's not about ERA, it's about covetousness. It's about covetousness. It's about me wanting to have all this. And then I'll prove that I can do it myself. Okay, I'll say that, Lord. And so what you do is, even if you are married, you keep on taking all this birth control, 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 pills, 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 pills. I mean, the door is open, so I'm going to just walk in it. Because I don't want the children to interfere with my career. Then all of a sudden, now you've established your career and you want to have a child. You have told your body no for so long. You've shut down the natural course for so long. I'm gonna tell you this right now. I'm gonna tell you this right. I'm gonna just tell you this. I'm gonna I'm look. I'm gonna look straight at the clock, so I ain't gotta make eye contact with nobody. If mama, if you got your teenage girl on birth control right now trying to keep her from getting pregnant, you are shutting down the system God, God had created. Just tell her to keep her legs closed. You don't want to get pregnant, keep your legs closed. Now that's a whole other subject. That ain't, that ain't, that ain't even about covetousness. That's just, that was just for free right there. I, I don't mean the metal. I'm just, just saying. We do this kind of stuff now. Cause I I don't want it. See I I don't I don't I don't want that to interfere with her finishing high school. That's fine. I understand that. Keep them shut.
Young men, young men, if you can't pay for her lifestyle, ain't no sense in calling and hanging out. You're not ready for that. We, 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 we talk to the girls, but we let the guys get off the hook. No, fellas, you you on the hook too. Keep your, keep keep it zipped up. All right, let's get back on covetousness. That we talking about, we talking about covetousness, right? All right. Yeah, cause see you you start coveting. All right, give me give me Exodus uh, twenty, Exodus twenty. Let me show you something here. Exodus twenty. You you know you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Y'all ever heard of the Ten Commandments? You know the Ten Commandments are pretty important. People trying to say now today we don't need the Ten Commandments. We don't we don't need the Big Ten because we're not under the law anymore. Well, first of all, yes, we're not under the law, but he wasn't talking about the Ten Commandments. Talking about all those 660-something laws that came later on. The Ten Commandments, these are God's laws. You can't, you can't just get rid of these right here. The Ten, because, you know, if you say we're not under that, well, you saying it's all right to murder now? No, it's not. That's not it's not all right to murder. It's all right for me to lie on you? Bear false witness? No, that's not all right. It's all right for me to commit adultery? No, that's not all right. So you can't, you can't just get rid of 10. You, you know, you know, you know better than that. But look at verse 17 here. Exodus 20, verse 17. Let's look at this. No, here, this is the 10th. This is the 10th. This is the last one on the list. He says, this is God's words. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Don't be desiring somebody else's house. I take it that house. I take it that house. I take it that. It's not yours. Celebrate with them. Buy them a Home Depot gift card. They're gonna need it. <laughs> so don't covet your neighbor's house. You should not cover your neighbor's wife. Come on, look straight ahead. You should not cover your neighbor's wife. You better not be looking at my wife. Let me catch you looking at my wife. I, matter of fact, the other day, I, I, I didn't even ask Ted to say this is my wife. I, I felt some kind of way, but I, I didn't say anything. I thought, I'm going to just let that go. We were, we, were, we were still in Frankfurt, right? And uh, we were having the, that dinner that last, the last day, Sunday, lunch. And uh, so I was, I'm introducing all these people, you know, hey, this is my wife, so, so on and so forth. One of the guys who I met preaching somewhere uh, else, and I think he reached over and kissed you on the top of the head or something like that. And I was like, wow. You remember it now? I, I know exactly who it was. 
I know exactly who you are. <laughs> I know exactly. So you know, I had to, I had to work, work that thing out. Cause I don't want to start no fight in the camp meeting, you know. <laughs> yeah, I ain't, I ain't had no backup, man. My back was all gone, and it was a lot of them, a lot of them, a lot of them. I'm like, okay, praise the Lord. So. uh so, so listen, don't, you don't eyeball somebody else's wife. Or can we throw in somebody else's husband? You see, go, go, go back to uh, verse, let's try verse uh, 13. 13. 12. Okay, 13 is where I want it. All right, I want to see. How so you shall not murder. Okay? Now, why you shall not, why shall you not murder? Because murder is making you a judge of someone. Whereas God is the judge. Verse 14. You should not commit adultery. Why should you not commit adultery? Because adultery is you saying God can't give me something. So I have to take something from someone else. All right, verse 15. Come on now. You should not steal. It's the same thing. Stealing is you saying God can't give it to you. So you have to go take it. Verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You bearing false witness, the whole point about bearing false witness is the scene is a court scene. Well, you're trying, trying to have uh, matters judged. So bearing false witness is you saying that the truth won't bring the result I want. That God can't avenge me of my adversary. You see, so all these commandments are not just about doing what's wrong or, or doing what's right. It's about what you say, what you're saying about God. If you go through them and you look at the first five commandments, it's all about you shall love the Lord your God. You should have no other God before you. You should not serve any other God. So on and so forth, right? So then look at verse 17. It's the same thing. You should not cover your neighbor's house. Why? Because God can give you your own house. You don't have to look at somebody else's, somebody else's house. Look at it. You should not cover your neighbor's wife. Why? Because God can give you your own wife. He can give you your own husband. And the reason folk covet is because they, 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 they look at their own wife or their own husband and they're comparing or contrasting and saying mine isn't enough. Yes, he is. I said yes, he is. All right, well, yes, she is. Somebody better say something new. Wives, guys, hey, these wives ain't saying nothing, man. These wives like. I was reading an article this week. Y'all got a couple more minutes. I was reading an article this week about a guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, a guy and his wife and another guy. Right? Guy and his wife, another guy. So this guy decided 
he wanted to covet this man's wife. So he started, and now they all know each other. They work together. Uh, so he started hollering. You know how you holler? Y'all understand hollering? So he started hollering at, at the wife. And the wife, she, he, you know, the moment you start kikiing, you're in trouble. That kikiing, you, you're in trouble then. So tell your neighbor, stop kikiing now. Stop kikiing. Don't even let me see you kick in. See, this is how I know my wife and I are all right. Because when that fella kissed her, she didn't even know it. It didn't make her blood, blood rising like that. She, she blew it right off. So praise the Lord. We good. But this guy hollered at her. She starts kicking with him. And so this, the husband recognized what's going on. He said, hey, stay with my wife, man. And so this guy, he starts saying, he starts saying, well, you're not treating her right at home. Well, how does this guy even know that? Because this girl has been running her mouth with this guy. So now this guy felt justified in treating her nicely because he doesn't feel like he treats her nicely. So this couple, they moved. This guy followed them and moved. Long story made shorter. Eventually, this guy and this girl got together. And you know what happened? This guy sued this guy for $8.8 .8 million and won. $8.8 million and the judge said yes. So he got the girl but she ain't no good. I said but she ain't no good. And you out $9 million. I hope it was worth it, bro. I hope it was worth it. You can look it up when you get home. He can't tell him, yeah, you, you saw this? He can tell him, man, that's my wife. Leave my wife alone. He wouldn't stop. Because once covetousness gets in your spirit, it starts to spread like cancer. And now you become, you get obsessed. I gotta have her. I gotta have her. This is what happened to David. When David saw Bathsheba out there bathing, that wasn't his wife. He, he, he found out whose wife that was. He knew that that, that, was, that that was Uriah's wife. But something already got in, boy, that cancer got in there, boy. He didn't, he just, he got, he, boy, he's, he got that fever, man. Like, y'all remember that? Y'all, that's right, I was No, it was another movie called She's Gotta Have It. Y'all remember that years? Way back in the day. Pleonexia. It's a disease. That disease got in there, corrupted. It corrupts the human spirit. 
It's a cancer in the human spirit. And it doesn't just apply to wives and stuff. It applies to stuff. Go back to uh, Exodus 20, verse 17. I want to make sure. Let me finish that out. So, so he says, don't cover your neighbor's house. Don't cover your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant. This isn't sexual here. That's about the fact that they have somebody cleaning their house. I wish I had a housekeeper to clean my house. I wish I had somebody to cook my meals for me. Somebody to iron my clothes for me. They're, they're, you're covering now their servants. Clean, you better clean your own stuff. <laughs> he said, nor his ox. Now, ox represents business. Nor his donkey. His donkey represents his transportation. You know, they didn't ride oxes. They rode donkeys. So don't cover somebody's car. Nor anything that is your neighbor's. Now that's a commandment from God. Not because God uh, doesn't want you to, to desire nice things, but he knows that if you let covetousness get, get in there and you start desiring something that, something that belongs to somebody else, that cancer will get in there and it'll, it'll just, it'll savagely destroy your spirit. You won't be able to function. You certainly won't be grateful for what God has given you. Everything about your spirit will be driven towards getting that thing, getting that thing, getting that thing. And it's dangerous. All right, let me finish. Let me finish here. Okay, so let's go back to Luke 12. Let's go back to Luke 12. Did my clock stop already? Oh, it did. I didn't even hear it. Or maybe I didn't start it. Sorry. I, did, I, did, I didn't start it. Okay, now, I, I, okay. Okay. So Luke, let, okay, let me, let's, let's just read this. Luke 12, let's go over here. Luke 12. Y'all have a little more time, just a little more? Okay. Luke 12 and verse uh, 13, where, where we were. Now let's, let's watch this, watch this. He says, then one came, one from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, the inheritance belonged to that brother. So he's going to tell him, no, tell him to divide it with me. No. If you understand this, the picture is the eldest child got a double portion of whatever the inheritance is. But this younger child obviously felt that that, that was unfair. But that was the rule of the day. So he's trying to get him to share it. Give me some more money. Verse 14. But he, Jesus said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. All right? So remember, what we just read was in response to this scenario. Okay? Now watch. Let's keep going. Then he spoke a parable. So now this parable is going to address this verse uh, 15. Okay? So then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Now what yielded plentifully? The ground. So the rich man didn't produce this. The ground did. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? Now he's prospering. But he doesn't understand true prosperity. He says, what shall I do since I don't have enough room to store my crops? So he said, this is his, this is his human idea. I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater or build bigger barns. And there I will store all my good, my crops 
and my goods. So he's not thinking about distributing. He's not thinking about, wow, I've been blessed so much I have enough to share. He's only thinking about, wow, I've got so much I can just heap it all up and keep it for myself. So he's prospering, but he doesn't understand the true nature or the true uh, reason for prosperity. All right, now remember what is Jesus Christ teaching on? Covetousness. So covetousness looks like greed, but it looks like stinginess. Selfishness. You become self-absorbed. Okay? He says, and I will say to my soul, verse 19, I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for, your, for, your, for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Or eat, drink, and be happy. So in his mind, all of his stuff is going to now provide him a lifetime of happiness. But remember what I told you, pleonexia, covetousness, is a disease of the human spirit that that cancerous disease will take, the, take your life. Remember we read in Proverbs 1.19 that the problem with greed is that it takes away the life of its owner. Yes. Greed will snatch your life from you. Now watch this, verse 20. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then, watch this, whose will those things be which you have provided? Now who's going to have your stuff? Because <laughs> you can't take it with you. You can't take it to the grave. There's no need for it in, in the afterlife. So all the things that you have provided for yourself, notice, notice the, the, the tongue-in-cheek word God says, the things be which you have provided. You have provided. God's joking with him. You understand that? Because we already read that the ground brought forth. The man didn't provide this. The reality of it is God provided it. Because that's God's ground that gets God's sunlight, that gets God's rain. So God is saying, in reality, I provided this for you, and because you were covetousness, you, you were covetous, and you were greedy, and you were selfish, all you thought about was yourself. Now, when you're gone, now who's going to enjoy all that stuff that you provided? You got it? Verse 21, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Are you hearing that? So never allow things to corrupt your minds and become your gods. Okay? Never allow things to corrupt your mind and become your gods. Because things are only temporary. And they're tough to obtain. But God's supply is easy. Did you hear that? Things are temporary and tough to obtain. But God's supply is easy. Can y'all handle just a couple more minutes? God's supply is easy. It's easy to have money. It's, oh man, y'all don't even sing. It's easy to have plenty of stuff. When you learn how to get into the flow. I got two or three amens and yes sirs. We gonna struggle with this today? Well, I cut it down to one more minute then. Now watch, watch. Let me just show you this, this last area here. Luke we're still in Luke 12, right? Yes. Now, he just talked about covetousness. Y'all with me? Yes. Pleonexia. Pleonexia. Uh -huh. That disease of greed and avarice. Yes. Right? Yes. 
Then he told him about this man who uh, tried to, he thought he was providing things for himself. So now Jesus Christ, he's not done teaching. So let's keep going with what he taught. Look at verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, he's continuing the same conversation, but now he directs it directly to his disciples. He said, therefore, I say to you, my followers, are you ready to follow us? How many disciples do I have in here? Now watch, here's how you avoid covetousness. You want to know, right? Here's how you're going to have now the picture of real happiness. He says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. (laughs) What you will eat, know about your body, what you'll put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Glory to God. Y'all, are y'all hear what I'm saying to you now? I don't care about what name brand out there and all, I can't afford that. Listen, life is more than clothing. People, people overpaying, we, we learn. <laughs> We learned from some of our friends uh, uh, last week who are missionaries in Africa. They said in Africa, in the nations where they minister, they said you can go, de- you, you might like this. They, they go in, in where they, they, everybody wants to buy suits, right? You know, they're not walking around bones in their mouths in Africa. You understand that, right? Our African sisters aren't walking around with nappy heads. Everybody, I need to go back to Africa. Go check out Africa. I'm just telling you. So they, they want to go and they buy these shoes. So they go and they go to this warehouse and they can pick out any material they want. So pick, they pick the fabric out, right? They have the suit made. Then the tailor says, pick out what label you want. So if you want, we got Armani labels over here. Hugo Boss labels. You understand this? So they can, they, can, they can put whatever label, and what they do is, you know how we buy a suit and the label's on there, you take it off? No, they, they wear the label. They've gotten so far into consumerism, they're, they're, they, they keep the label on because they want everybody to know uh, what kind of suit it is. But it ain't really that kind of suit. They just chose that label and put it on there. I thought, boy, that's wild. But life is more than that. Let me keep going. Verse 24. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn. Remember, we just talked about a barn, this other guy. So uh, ravens don't have barns because they don't sow and reap. Now remember, you sow and reap. So God wants you to have barns. That's why I said in Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, if you honor him with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase, he said your barns, your barns will be filled with plenty. So you need a barn. Tell your neighbor, you need a barn. I don't have room for a barn. It's called a bank account, child of God, a bank account. But the ravens, they don't have that, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a statue? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Now, he's trying to show us, y'all remember this? How to stay out of covetousness and how to prosper the right way. Now, well, let's keep going. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed or was not clothed like one of these. If, God, if then God so clothes the grass, 
which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you love of little faith. So you don't have to cover anybody's clothes. Glory to God. Don't be jealous and envious about what somebody else is looking at. They got shoes. I want shoes like that, Lord. God will give you better shoes than that. Verse 29. Are you, are you are with me still? And do not seek what you should eat. Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. You see this word anxious? We've seen it a couple times here. This anxious anxiety leads to depression. Y'all remember that now. Now, in that, that 29, it says the anxious mind. The King James Version says a doubting mind. That's interesting, a doubting mind. Because you don't think, you don't know that God will do this for you. Tell your neighbor, God will do this for you. Tell him, God will bless you too. Stop being jealous and envious and coveting. God will bless you too. You ain't got a ticket nobody else's car. You ain't got a ticket nobody else's house. God has a house just for you. God has a car. Just, he, has a, he, has somebody, he has a spouse for you. Watch verse 30. Almost done here. For all, after, for all these things the nations of the world seek after and your father knows that you need these things. Now watch. Now he's going to show you Dwight how to shift. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. So I don't have to covet. I don't have to be greedy. If I seek God in his kingdom, all these things shall be added to me. Verse 32, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure. It makes your father really happy to give you the kingdom. Are y'all hearing this? Do y'all understand this here today? Now, I do you a disservice if I didn't finish this, this next verse here. Because verse 33, I'm, I'm going to get into this somewhere in the next few weeks. Because um, I got to teach you about this seed time. I told you about uh, precious. Watch what he says. You want to know how to get out of covetousness? You want to know how to have everything in life that you ever want? Notice what he says. Sell what you have and give alms. Sell what you have and give alms. Hmm? What he says is take the things you do have. Instead of covering things you don't have, take the things you do have and convert it to seed. Oh, boy. Don't take it somebody else's car. Take something you do have, sell it, convert it to seed, and believe God to give you a better car. Y'all already packed up, ready to go? Don't, don't come to somebody else's house. You want a nicer house? Y'all got quiet. He's giving us the key, y'all. Watch this. He's telling us, get, up, get into the seed flow. He said, sell what you have. I'm going to just read it. I'm going to just read it. Y'all can just process it however you want to read it. 
Sell what you have and give alms. By doing so, watch what he says you're doing. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. Wait, what, what, what? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Some of y'all are missing it because you're looking at selling and giving. Okay, how am I going to have? If God didn't intend on giving you a return, he wouldn't tell you to have money bags. He's saying sell, convert something you have to seed. And now watch this. I got to make, I got to say this. I'm going to teach you on this thing here in the next few weeks on precious versus pitiful. Because, because he says, sell what you have. Why did he just say, take what you have and give it to the poor? Because the poor, they don't, they don't need your, your, uh, your, your broke down nothing. They need the money. So sell what you have. You're going to get money. And then take that money and give it. And then when you give it, you will be providing yourselves money bags. Some of y'all, y'all too young to remember money bags. Back you, if you ever watch the Westerns, they have money bags. I have money bags today. The bank give you money bags, don't they? He said, which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail or does not run out. So what you have will run out. What you have won't get you the house. What you have won't get you the thing. But if you would take it and take whatever you have, something that's precious, sell it and give, now you'll have a money bag that will not grow old, a treasure in heaven that will not fail or will not run out. Where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. My God, my God. Are y'all struggling with that, so we better quit. I, I better, I, I'm going to have to preach it because there's <laughs> too much resistance in the, in the atmosphere for that. About something that God is trying to get us to step over into. A financial flow. And the only way you're going to get into financial flow is you got to convert something to seed. You got to convert something to seed and learn to sow it and then let God grow it because you're going to have, you're going to need money bags. Obviously before you didn't need no money bags with, with the level you're on now, you didn't need money bags. But he said, once you get into the sowing system, you're going to need some money bags. Give, all right, let me finish here. Give me uh, Luke 12 verse 29. In the Message Bible, we'll, we'll close out here in message, message Translation. Luke, 20, Luke 12, 29, Message. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. Keep going. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over things. But you know both God and how he works. Verse 31. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Verse 32, don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. 
Verse 33. Be generous. Give to the poor. Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt. A bank in heaven, far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers, a bank you can bank on. Is that good right there? All right. I'm way past time. I'll get into this Wednesday night because I'm going to show you again, when you get into that system, you're going to move over into a way, a lifestyle that will just produce happiness, perpetual happiness, Amen. perpetual happiness, not happy at tax time. Y'all know tax time happiness runs out. January, February, you ballers and shot callers. By the time May comes around, you're crawling around crying. That's not, that's not the picture of happiness. It's a picture, really, of um, stupid. And that's not the way God designed you to live. There's a man who was like, you read about him in Psalm 112. He understood that system that God talked about. He lived happily all the time. And that's the way God wants you to live. Ladies and gentlemen, Luke 12, 15, beware of covetousness. Beware of it. Watch out for it. If he tells us to beware of it, that means it can creep up on you anytime. It can creep up on you unawares. You'll just be going about your business, and before you know it, you're looking at something that belongs to somebody else and all oh, wishing you had something like that. You know, we don't, first of all, we don't live by wishing. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So don't get caught up in wishing what you, you know, for what you don't have. First of all, be thankful for what you do have. Be thankful because even what you do have, even where you are now, that's something you believe in God four years ago. He's already brought you a long ways already. Thank God for that. And then allow him to show you how to step in. I just told you how to do it. Verse, verse 30, 33, you know, you, you, y'all act like you didn't want to hear that. But verse 30, I'm just a y'all act like you didn't want to hear what I'm saying. But you can just, you just keep on wishing. You know, most of y'all in here, Lord, let me say that nicely. Many of, yeah, thank you. All right. Many of you in here love money. I don't love no money. I don't have no money. That ain't, that has nothing to do with you loving money. And I know you love money because whenever we talk about money, you, 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 uh, <laughs> you clam up. You clam up. But I've learned you got you to let money move. You have to, man, I have learned that, that everywhere I go, I got to let money flow. I just, I just let money flow. I just, I just let money flow. I want to be that, I want to be that water hose. I want to be that water hose that, that just God uses to water. The Bible says he that waters another will himself be watered. Isn't that scripture in Proverbs? He that waters another will himself be watered. That's the water hose. You water another, you'll be watered. 
or he that refreshes another will himself be refreshed. That may be a New King James translation of it. So stop clamming up when I talk about money. Yeah, I'm just trying to help you. I ain't asking you for anything. He about to raise the offering. I'm not about to raise the offering. And if I did, I'd only be giving you an opportunity to get a bigger money bag. But trust me, I've learned I don't prosper because of you. I prosper because we let money flow, man, everywhere we go. So we don't ever covet. I don't care. Man, you can, you can go get you a, a boat with four motors on it. I'm not going to covet it. I know that when it's, it's time, if I decide I really want one. A lot of times I say I want, I want me a boat. Then I'm like, I don't even have time for no boat, man. I don't have, who got time for a boat? I don't have time to be taking care of no boat. I just get on one you know, when I want to, but I don't, I don't need no boat. I give myself to prayer and minister the word. I don't really have time for no boat. Glory to God. Yeah, just you, somebody else catch some fish and bring me a fish sandwich, I'll be just fine. Just fine, Devin. Just, you just catch it. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. So much more I, I want to tell you, and I, 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 I can. Maybe out of the way for a Wednesday night. <laughs> so the Lord told me to take the brakes off in preaching. And make sure y'all can handle it. <laughs> you want to go up, you got to sew up. That's just the way it works, man. We can try to get, get around it. But if I keep trying to hoard up what I have, that's what the problem was that man in Luke 12. He was trying to hoard up what he had. And it took his life. It took his life. I don't, I don't hoard. I don't, I don't look when it's time for me to give. I, <laughs> I tried to calculate. I, I lost count. Over the last one, two, three weeks, how much, how much my wife and I have given to the kingdom in the last, you know, three weeks? It's probably, it's probably nearing $10,000. And I calculate. It's approaching that. I, I, I lost count. I just... Because I, you know, I'm trying to remember every little offering and every, every little, you know, I've been in church the last two weeks straight. <laughs> Plus I've been part, you know, my partnership and all that stuff, stuff that we do and everything. And people, everywhere I go, people. We just bless people. So it's, 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 it's approaching that. I, I probably won't sit down and count. Look at you, Pastor. No, look at you. I'm trying to show you what to follow. Yes, sir. Come here. Come here, Jonathan. Come here. Jonathan, one of my partners. Come here. It's, it's going to bless me and, 
Hold on, give me that microphone. This one blessed me here. And uh, when it was saying, uh, Proverbs 11, verse 25, he had a new King James. Uh, he'll water you, you water, he'll water you. And Amplified, I was standing on the scripture and with my, uh, the business, I was just standing on it, standing on it. This is confirmation here. You know, God turned around and blessed me. I'm just helping people, helping people. Right. And, uh, you know, giving, it's alms, you know, giving money. Right. And so, you know, I turn around, I'm getting, uh, right before I got my own apartment, my own place. He supplied me so much so, it helped out with close to half of my first month of rent just from the money that came in from my side business. And I'm up here because I want to share with you all in the Amplified version of what the scripture says. It says the generous man is a source of blessing. So you're a source. Money is no longer your source. You're a source. God makes you a source. Um, and it says it shall be prosperous and enriched. And he who waters will himself be watered Reaping the generosity he has sown. Yeah. Now this is the this is the new amplified right here. That we got the amplified classic. So listen to this. Don't don't look at the screen. Listen to this amplified new the new modern amplified. Read it again. The generous man is a source of blessing, and shall be prosperous and enriched. And he who waters will himself be watered, reaping the generosity he has sown. Y'all understand that? So stop clamming up. It's your tight self. So we brought it up Wednesday morning prayer. You know, people go around telling these lies. Telling these lies about all, all pastor want is your money. First of all, you don't have any. Secondly, if all we wanted was money, we probably wouldn't have set up in one of the poorest districts in the city. We would have been on Old Northeast or on the beach somewhere if we got the people money. Well, they got, they, people actually have money. We're not trying to get money from you. We're trying to get money to you. Because <laughs> I, I hate poverty. I hate what poverty does to people. I hate seeing people struggle. Barely getting by. I hate, I hate the parents have to tell their kids no. I hate, that. I hate that. I hate it. I hate it when I see a parent got to tell their child no. We, we were in the, in the store yesterday uh, picking up some school supplies for some people and stuff like that. And, and uh, I watched this, this little girl was asking mom to, uh, and the mom hollered at her, no, put that back. Like, it, was, it was a tablet. It was like a little... And the lady was so mean because I thought maybe I should jump in. And the lady was so mean. I'm like, no, I ain't, I'm not going to get beat up today over no school supply for somebody. But it's, you know, poverty is horrible. People think the rich people love money. Poor people love money. Because the moment they get their hands on, on them, they're going to squeeze the ink right off the dollar. Don't do that. Jesus showed us how to do it. Amen? Grab hands with your, with your neighbor. No, I'm just going to pray right now. Say to them, say, God wants you happy. God wants me happy. I won't covet what you have. Don't you covet what I have. 
what God has for me. It is for me. What God has for you. It is for you. Get your own. I'll get my own. I'll celebrate with you. You celebrate with me. That's the deal. That's the deal. Don't be looking at what other people have. The Lord will increase you more and more. You and your children. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Father, today we thank you for what we have learned and received today. I thank you, Lord, that each person today who's been gathering the sound of our voices, Lord, that they've been here watching online, whatever that's been the case, that, God, they've heard the word and they have absorbed and received the revelation that has come today, that they have understood, Lord, and really done evaluation of their own lives and where they are, even as you ask the same of me, Lord, to really evaluate where I am. And Lord, so together we agree that we will not covet anything that anybody has. God, we know you're our God. We're thankful that we have a personal relationship with you on our own and that you know how to bless us, you know how to increase us, you know how to take care of us, you know how to provide for us because you're a good, good father. And so I ask you today that each person in this room that you will show us, Lord, show us our place, show us our future, show us our promises, show us our destiny, show us those things you have for us, God, that we'll take our minds off of what other people have, what other people may do, and we'll put our eyes on you, Lord. You're our God. We never want to serve things. We always want to serve you, Lord. Because you're the source of everything. No matter what we have, it all comes from you. And so I thank you that, God, you will bless us and increase us and prosper us and provide for us. And you will even use us to bless other people. You'll help us to open our eyes, not to our own needs. Your word says, the Father, that we ought to care for the interests of others. We ought to care for the needs of others, oh God. We ought to bear each other's burdens, oh God. So show us, God, how to take our eyes off of ourselves and see other people's needs. And God, to look to be a blessing because you said in your word that if we will bless others, you'll bless us. If we'll be generous, Lord, you'll let that generosity come back to us. You said in your word that God, the liberal, the generous soul shall be made fat. So thank you, Father, that we become givers, 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 givers. Hallelujah. Your word even promised us and said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So God, help us to become true givers, to develop a giving mindset that we'll seek more to bless others than we'll seek to receive for ourselves. Because we understand your system, that if we make it our, our aim to be a blessing, if we make it our aim to, to bless others, then God's blessings will overtake us. They'll come on, on us, oh God. So we thank you that God for your system, that it works flawlessly. Now continue to increase, to increase us and bless us in all that we do. We'll give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God a great hand of praise today if you receive that. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah.